Okay. Michael writes, Hi, Trey. Just wanted to say I appreciate your ministry. Could you please share your thoughts on guilt? I don't often hear that addressed. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And don't look back and return to the entanglements, to the, to the yoke of bondage. Michael, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No guilt. We're guilt-free. If you've fallen into a pit, and, and it happens, I don't care who you are, none of us are immune, but if you've fallen into the quicksand of guilt, just know that this is not from God. But it's, it's found its way into religion and worldly thinking. Outside of Christ, we are inadequate. That's a fact. But don't beat yourself up over things that Christ was already beaten for. As we walk out this life, there will always be, always be times when those negative voices play in our head, mostly due to our insecurities. Uh, but what we do, we allow ourselves to be crippled by those voices, those thoughts. They can bring shame and even rob us of our joy. So we got to renew our minds. That's what Paul told us, to, re- to renew our mind daily and continue to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. No more condemnation. No guilt. Guilt-free. People, they like to God damn us, but God himself doesn't even damn us. That's just people in their ignorance. Pay them no mind. And sometimes we do it to ourselves. We damn ourselves. But God said, no. My son took care of that. He took your place. You're guilt-free. And don't try to earn it. You can't. It was freely given. God causes his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had already, before, he already ordained that we should walk in them. What should God's workmanship look like? Not man's, God's workmanship. We got to rest ourselves in the identity of Christ. It's about his identity. Let go of the guilt that condemns, that threatens our very freedom. Hey, the mind is a powerful thing, and it'll hold us back. It can restrict us from following Paul as he followed Christ. We got to learn to freely walk out this life with a joyful heart in service to him. Walk with certainty. Walk with purpose. Jesus took our guilt to the cross, died for it, was buried, and has no intention to bring it up so that we can deal with it. It's finished. So if anyone's experiencing guilt today, just know it's not from God. I don't care what religion says. Okay, Kevin writes, Justification and forgiveness of sins, are they the same? Please explain based on Acts 13, 38, and 39. Okay, let's go take a look at that real quick here. Acts 13, 38, and 39. This is a question from Kevin. Hey, you got questions? Give us a call. It's toll free, 888-988-9562. That's 888-988-9562. Kevin's question is justification and forgiveness of sins the same. And then explain that based on Acts 13, 38, and 39. 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. 
Verse 39, And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Through this man, that's Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. By him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he did the work, Jesus. He did the work and we're forgiven. But to be justified, one must believe. So your question, justification and forgiveness of sins, are they the same? No. You get a chance, um, you get a chance to look up Romans chapter 4. The immediate context is the faith of Abraham and how he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong. Abraham was strong in his faith. Uh, so if you get a chance, uh, you can look there at Romans chapter 4. And drop in at verse 24. Here we see that imputed righteousness comes by believing on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse 25. Who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Delivered for our offenses. That's sins. Offenses equals sins. So our forgiveness of sins came by way of his dying on the cross. But without the resurrection, we could not be justified. Delivered for our offenses and raised again for justification goes with Acts 38 and 39, does it not? All that believe, that's what Acts 38 and 39 is talking about, all that believed are justified from all things. So in Christ... We're not only forgiven of our sins, we're justified from all things. That's why we're declared perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not. You're not. But our position, not in this flesh, not now, not presently here on earth, but our position in Christ, we are already seen this way, saints. God already sees us as being justified from all things. Oh, the beauty of God's grace. Okay, Alistair writes, Dear Trey, I've been listening to your videos on rightly dividing and find them interesting. I've been taught dispensationalism a wee bit from what you teach. I think you meant a, a wee bit different from what you teach. You're beginning to make me question some things I've been taught. I like that because it challenges me to think and study more. I'd like to leave you with a few questions, if you don't mind. You'll probably know where I'm coming from. When Paul wrote in Romans about eating meat and offering, excuse me, eating meat and offending a brother, is that for us today? Okay, Alistair, absolutely. That's instruction for us. No saved person should want to offend another brother in the body of Christ. However, it does happen. Truth divides. But there are some things, and this is one of them, there are some things that should not divide. And remember, this is referring to those who are weaker in their faith. All things are lawful, but it doesn't mean there's benefit. It doesn't mean there's profit in doing all things. In Romans chapter 14, Romans 14, let's look there. In Romans chapter 14, there, it'll help us with this uh, question. Romans chapter 14, and um, 
Look here, starting with verse 10, Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11, for it is written... As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But, now watch this, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Paul's talking about those that are weak in the faith. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Again, make sure and remember that not everyone in the body is strong in their faith. Uh, drinking a glass of wine may offend some, may cause them to stumble. So don't drink around them. Eating meat may offend them. So you're invited to their home? Don't eat meat that night. Try your best not to offend your weaker brother or sister. And uh, back up here, if you'll look at the first verse here in this chapter, him that is weak, weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Verse 2, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. See, the one who is weak is the one who believes in the uh, taste not, touch not, and so on. So don't offend them. And next he asks, If we sin, do we have to confess it to God? No. But you can do it if you like. Again, this is something that is up to you. Just know that it has nothing to do with getting your sins forgiven. If you want to confess them, get them off your chest to God. Hey, that's just a matter of talking. you and God talking. No problem there. But, now listen, if, if you think it has something to do with getting your sins forgiven, you're likely not saved. You could have been saved and now gotten confused, but, but if you've always thought that, you've never been saved. If you think you doing something is what merits your forgiveness, then you're given testimony that you've never understood what was accomplished on the cross in your behalf. And that's not a saved person. That's a religious and confused person. Next here he writes, Can we break fellowship with God by sinning? Well, the Holy Spirit's in you. You're sealed. He's not going anywhere. However, he can be grieved by your sin. And when you're sinning, you're most definitely not fellowshipping with God. Now, is that breaking fellowship, as you say? Well, you might say that. But just know that the Holy Spirit will never abandon you. So, while you may not be doing what you're calling fellowshipping, you are never separate from the Holy Spirit. Never. And then he had another question here. Should we fast today? Is it necessary? If you want to lose weight, <laughs> reset your digestive system. And there are a host of other health benefits that medical science has connected with fasting. But it won't do anything with respect to gaining favor with God. No, you're complete in Christ. Doesn't affect your heavenly position at all. 
You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, sealed unto the day of redemption. And a question here, um, does God chasten us for sinning? Nope. No need for God to chasten us. We do it to ourselves. We reap what we sow. Nothing supernatural about that. God doesn't have to reach down through the clouds and find us and spank us. If we sow it, we reap it. Okay, Mr. Smith here writes, Why will there be animal sacrifices during the 1,000-year millennial millennial reign of Jesus Christ? Some believe that this contradicts the word of God concerning Jesus being the final sacrifice, and they go as far as saying that it is blasphemous. No, this is not blasphemy. They will not be sacrificing for forgiveness. It will be done for a memorial, something done in remembrance. Then he goes on to say, Others say animal sacrifices will be there to serve as a memorial of Christ in that the animal sacrifices during the millennium point back to the cross of Calvary. That's right. So so you actually already have the answer. Yeah, that's it right there. Okay, Robert writes, Do you do guest church appearances? And if so, we're in Nashville, here at a small post-COVID and somewhat aged group. Would like to discuss how you would come. And, uh, okay, for this one, Robert, I've got your your number and email here, and uh, we'll try to get with you. Here's another question from Chuck. Chuck says, Hi, Trey, appreciate your work. I know a person who believes salvation just as you and I believe it. They also say that the teachings that Joseph Prince, who, by the way, also teaches the gospel of reconciliation, just like you, but then teaches God gave everyone the promises of Abraham, which is heresy, He says here, I need to answer them, and I want to know how I can refute this teaching. He also teaches that we are currently living in the time of the new covenant, which is grave error, and that the church began in Acts 2, even though he does not teach to sell all your possessions. Please help me with an answer to refute this teaching. Yeah, of course he doesn't. He doesn't sell his possessions. Joseph Prince has great possessions. He doesn't sell all of his possessions. He skips that verse. But he likes the tongues there in the same chapter. This is classic cherry picking. There's other so-called grace teachers that are doing that today too. He claims tongues are for the church, the body of Christ, even though we know they're not in operation today. We have a whole series of teachings on that. And beside the fact that he teaches the body of Christ is a part of Israel's new covenant. Wrong. Even if we took those two issues off the table, he teaches that tithing is for today. Now, how can you be a, quote, grace teacher and teach that tithing is for us today? Just how is that possible? Tithing is law, not grace. God told the tithers under the law, if they would give a tenth, he would open up the heavens and pour them out a blessing. That's earned, not unearned. Grace is unearned, undeserved. You did nothing for it. That's clearly do to get. Do something, get something. It's part of their covenant. The if system. If you do this, God says, I'll do this in return. That's clearly law, not grace. I've been compared to Mr. Prince. I have no clue why. I guess just like he teaches partial grace... Those who compare me to him 
only partially listen. We're not teaching the same thing. If I, if I taught what he did, I'd be a lot more popular. It's like someone told me not long ago, you've got 14,000 Facebook followers. I didn't pay any attention to that, and I just kept talking. And later on in the conversation, they brought it up again and said how great that was. I said, compared to who? 14,000 Facebook followers? Compare that to the likes of Joel Osteen, Joseph Prince. <laughs> you want to be popular? Preach financial blessings, your best life now. God supernaturally healing you of all of your diseases. There you go, preach that. But that's not a grace teacher. That's someone half in, half out. Someone straddling the fence. Someone who has yet to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. There's divisions. And people like Prince only make those divisions when it's convenient to them. But Chuck, we have all sorts of fellows out there who claim to preach Paul's gospel. But in reality, they're just teaching a limited version of what Paul preached. A counterfeit. Hey, we now even have one out in Connecticut. He, he's trying to convince people that he preaches Paul's gospel, but yet he says Paul's letters were written to the Luke 12 little flock. And he says the body of Christ will not appear at the judgment seat. He also has some strange beliefs about the rapture. And I predict that list will only continue to grow. Bad doctrine breeds more bad doctrine. As I told a brother the other day, before long he'll have the twelve in the body of Christ with us. That's how this works. This isn't my first rodeo. I've seen this happen before. It's the beginning of a very slippery slope that does not lead to a good place. A place of logic and sound reasoning. And all these that fall into these heresies, just watch. They'll end up with egg all over their face. So don't be naive, shed your gullibility, be a watchman, and don't lose your discernment for a slick-talking cult of personality. These guys creep into houses and lead their captives out the back door like the Pied Piper. These that are Second Timothy 3, 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And as Paul says over there in the fifth chapter of Galatians, Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, oh no, and a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The beauty of what Paul gave us in his epistles is we can educate ourselves without masters, professors, or institutions. You only get two educations. The one you're given and the one you give yourself.